catch all the latest from the land. It's the Country Podcast with Jamie Mackay. Thanks to Norwood. Visit norwood.co.nz to find your local dealership. G'day New Zealand, it's not Viva Las Vegas, it's the country, although it is showtime. Uh, Rowena Duncan back in the studio after a bit of brain fog yesterday. I think has you it need a day off with the jokes like that, Jamie. Has uh, it cleared? No, it hasn't. No, it okay. hasn't, well, Do your best, do your best. Thank you. Um, ZZ Top, this is a great cover. Yeah. Viva Las Vegas, and they're coming to Gibson Valley. In fact, the whole summer series. Where, where else do we go to? Topor. Yeah, and Whitianga. Yeah. Um, who else is in there? Uh, Stone Temple Pilots, Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldi and The Angels, which is an Australian rock band. Yeah, they do a great cover of We've Got to Get Out of This Place. We might have to play that. Um, Pat that Benatar. was a great song by The Animals, but they have yeah. covered it well. Pat Benatar was, that's the only Gibson Valley concert I've been to. She was great, by the way. Anyhow, we better get on with the show today, because it is showtime, as I said. Alan Richardson's a, a West Otago organic and regenerative farmer many years ago when I first came across him. He was uh, a finalist in the Young Farmer of the Year. He's a smart bloke. Uh, he, he reckons there's been an ongoing campaign by some New Zealand scientists to discredit uh, organic and regenerative farming and it needs to be challenged. Well, we're going to give Alan the mic and the right of reply very shortly. um, After a regenerative farmer, we're going to yarn to the resilient farmer, uh, Doug Avery. Nathan Pollyanna Penny hasn't been on the country for a while, I don't know why, Um, but he's... um, He's Westpac's rural economist. He's just hit the $10 forecast button, but it's not for dairy, it's for lamb. Yeah, peak price this season for lamb, 10 bucks a kilo. Pretty good, isn't it? Shame your uh, cost of production is so high. And Chris Russell's our Aussie correspondent. Lots happening over there. Can't stop raining, and they're all talking about rainbows or rainbow jerseys. Yeah, Manly versus the Roosters tonight. They've got some real issues around biosecurity, foot and mouth, the threat of, as have we, and they've also got the Varroa mite scare which is happening and is in their country and apparently there's been a record price or something paid for a ram 115 grand, it's a lot of money isn't it, so I've got all that to do uh, Rowena, providing the fog clears, we'll have rural news for you I might have to do sport I think Thank I don't want to load you up too much Oh you make that sacrifice, and we, we were gonna so kick generous off, We were going to kick off the show today with uh, the new newly appointed Vice President of Federated Farmers, Wayne Yolo, you only live once, Langford, but he's on a three-hour Zoom call, lucky old him, Um, and we're going to talk about foot and mouth, we might even try and get him tomorrow or early next week, and I also put a call in or a text in to my old mate James Shaw. Oh, did you just? He hasn't replied. Well, I think he's a bit under fire at the moment, Jamie. No, well, no one's challenging him. Only the Greens could only the Greens could do that. Seriously? Anyhow, James will be re-elected after a process which is going to drag on for a month. Heaven help me. Right, up next, it is a really interesting conversation and we're going to have it. Organics and regenerative farming. Alan Richardson next on The Country.
Alan Richardson is a West Otago farmer. He's been into organics for a long time. In the past four or five years, he's got into regenerative agriculture, regen farming. Uh, he reckons there has been an ongoing campaign by some New Zealand scientists to discredit these farming systems, and this needs to be challenged. Rightio, uh, you've got an open mic here, Alan Richardson. Challenge away. Who are the scientists, by the way, who are having a crack at you? Afternoon, Jamie. Look, I think everyone knows who who the scientists are, and um, there has been a bit of a campaign against organic and regen, and, and and really, what if we don't stand up to that? It becomes fact, and and clearly, it, it's not fact. There are um, there is certainly um, a lot of things supporting organic and regen, and and people need to know that. They need to know the. Um, there is a balance to that discussion and it's not all one way. Okay, well look I'll name and shame them because they've been quite open on this show about it. Dr Jacqueline Raworth and Dr Doug Edmeads would be possibly leading the charge on that one. Look, the argument no one's saying that organics is bad or regenerative is bad. In fact regenerative has a lot of good practices in there that some farmers are already incorporating into their farming systems. The big argument Alan, from my point of view, seems to be around yield. Yeah, look, that's a, a very good question. When we transition from one system to another, there is going to be a period when when your yields perhaps aren't as good. But over time, and by over time, over three to five years, um, most people are seeing a matching of, of yields, um, if you're talking crops, and... Um, and, and that can improve. So I don't get hung up on the yield. Um, it's it's also um, not just what you're producing, but it's actually the cost of that production as well. Yeah, well, I wouldn't argue that the cost perhaps is less, but I would argue around the yields. I know a number of regenerative and organic farmers. Most of them seem to be consistent in the messaging that they're prepared to accept a reduction in yield to perhaps get premiums elsewhere. I think it's going to take time for New Zealand to to um, grow its own regen system, and because um, what what works overseas may not work entirely the same way in New Zealand, and so that'll take time. As we get more top farmers moving into this regen area, you're going to see some real uh, innovation, and and that's going to include yield increases. So um, we're not. We're not the finished product yet, and, and that'll take time. But uh, working with nature um, does take time, but um, benefits down the, the bottom end, doesn't it? You started down the organic track in the late 1990s. Incidentally, I think you were a finalist in the Young Farmer of the Year grand final way back in the mid-1990s. And then you did a, a Nuffield scholarship on organic farming. You ruffled a few feathers at the time. Yes, I did because it was going against mainstream, and, and organics back then was considered very much a fad, I suppose. And and uh, I guess it was a great great opportunity to to study organics in the world because at, at that time organics in New Zealand uh, was only um, a cottage industry. So, um, but what we learned overseas when Sonia and I travelled there was that it was happening. It was going to be part of our future and it offered a lot of opportunities. Regenerative agriculture appears to me to be quite a good halfway house if you're looking to maybe even head down the organic track. 
do you think just conventional farmers, if there's such a thing, should incorporate some regenerative practices or more of them into their daily farming systems? Yes, I do. Look, I think it's a win-win for for every farming system, and and it may you know the entry point may be just multi-species crops and and incorporating them into your farming system. The beauty of Regen is that it's a bus where anyone from high input to um, very low input or organic can utilise those those the systems within that and, um, and and get a good result. Um, the good thing about Regen, there isn't any any standards or barriers to entry, so that allows everyone to to dip their toe in the water, I suppose, and and, and give it a good go on their own farm because got to work on your farm hasn't it? Well we know there's all sorts of environmental limits now on the likes of nitrogen fertilisers could potentially regenerative agriculture be a way of farming with less fertiliser? Well I, I think farmers are already proving that we can do that successfully and but it, but it's not overnight you know you, it's something you don't go cold turkey on um, you progressively reduce your chemical inputs and and get your biology cracking, and, and yes, you can do that. So, you know, a, a regenerative organic um, system, I think, is is going to be a main driver farming in, in New Zealand. Alan, in can the, I throw can I throw two words at you? And I am being a sceptic here. Sri Lanka. Yeah, no, good. I'm pleased you brought that up, Jamie. What happened in Sri Lanka was. Um, virtually um, the government telling them to go organic overnight and it's really like telling a meth addict to go cold cold turkey and tomorrow there's no more and and that's what's happened with, with those soils over there they crashed and burned because they're sitting waiting for the next dollop of, of nitrogen or um, potassium fertilizers whatever and they didn't come and the root systems just can't handle that the shallow root systems couldn't couldn't get to the nutrients and um, and the whole thing crashed and burned. So that's the worst case scenario and, and it didn't work. When you do have a managed approach and you drop those inputs progressively and boost up your, your biology and your soil, um, you'll get a much different result. And I think there's a an Indian state called Shikkim, which your listeners can perhaps Google, S-I-K-K-I-M. They did that too. They, they did it over a a series of years, and, and what they found in this Indian state in, in northern India was that after about three years, their harvest harvest yields actually returned to post levels. So th- there's plenty of um, places in, in the world where, where it's happening, and it's actually been a success. Okay, a- a- Alan, I need to wrap this. I, I remain sceptical on the yield side of the equation, but I, I'm really keen to hear, just quickly to finish on, uh, the income side of the equation, the premiums you can get on your West Otago farm for being both organic and regenerative. What are we talking about? Jamie, th- there's no re- regen premiums at this stage in New Zealand, although there are... the it's happening at this stage, but there's nothing to be announced at this stage. Organically, we're getting good premiums for our beef and our wool. We're getting very poor premiums for our lamb just now. So, and, and lamb is our main profit driver. But um, just now, we're, we're shut out of the American market. So um, potentially, there's a 50% premium on, on what we're getting conventionally if we can get into that US market.
Well, Alan Richardson, this is an interesting discussion, and I do really appreciate uh, your time to discuss organics and regenerative agriculture on the country today. Good luck. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you, Alan. It is uh, 19 after 12. You are with the country. Rowena, some of the feedback coming in on Alan Richardson. Yeah, text her to say, uh, you know, it's such a throwaway line that yield only takes a hit for three to five years, then it'll be right, or maybe. Ask a townie to take an income hit for three to five years while maintaining all the same costs. They wouldn't wear it, so why should we? Now, I need to Google that Indian province that he talked about. I should have written it down. Uh, I'll re-listen to the interview and find out where it is and find out uh, what has happened there. Sri Lanka's certainly example of going cold turkey overnight. What a disaster that is. It's a bit like the Green Party uh, co-leadership battle. So that was the second... Can can I just have one more wee rant about the Green Party? Sorry. (laughs) Boomer rant. Okay, get it out of your system. I have to do this. Because I think they're sexist and misogynist, the Green Party, because when they were talking about who might replace poor old James, until they realised no one actually wanted to replace him, or didn't have the balls to stand against him, their leaders... No pun intended. Yeah, their leaders, uh, the Green Party co-leaders, I think by memory, you've, you've got to have one female yes. and one person of any yes. gender or ethnicity. Correct. Or creed. Correct. So it's kind of discrimin- discriminating against the pale-style middle-aged male. Oh. And I'm honestly worried about us. There's your pale-style middle-aged male. I haven't even got time for, for my boomerang. My wife told me off this morning, by the way. Yes. I wanted to do a boomerang about kids not walking to school and she told me to shut up so I won't do that one. Oh, well at least I guess they get to school but it's very virtue signalling. Anyway, um, Sikkim was the province. S-I-K-K-I-M. I think it's pronounced Shikkim but Sikkim. Yeah, there okay. you go. Google it in right. India. From a regenerative farmer let's talk to a resilient farmer Doug Avery. What does he make of all that before the end of the hour? Ten dollars. Not for dairy but for lamb. Nathan Penny has hit the go button and our Aussie correspondent Chris Russell Big game of league over there tonight, Manly versus the Roosters, but not everyone wants to play in a rainbow jersey. Didn't have those in Riverstar when I played. Anyhow, up next, it's uh, Doug Avery. You've already heard from a regenerative farmer on the country. Let's hear from a resilient farmer. Doug Avery joins us. From Marlborough. Doug, where do you sit on the argument around uh, Regen Ag and organics? Good afternoon. Uh, yeah, good afternoon, Jamie. Well, you know, I guess I sit in a place where I'm basically, I love peer reviewed science. So that's a really cornerstone for me. I love to see the science and see the, pr- the, the proof. And uh, uh, But on the other side of things, I see Bonavere as a regenerative situation. Uh, we were a degraded um, environment 20 years ago. Uh, that farm would be in better order now than any time since uh, since European settlement. It's 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 amazing what's going on out there. But we're not organic. Uh, we've got no intention of going there. Uh, but we're huge around the natural uh, fixing of nitrogen with uh, lucerne and clovers, and we're also massive on the uh, advantage you get from growing plant species which accelerate the growth of animals. So we finish uh, 90% of our lambs to over 20 kilos in under 105 days. And that makes those lambs 
the lowest carbon intensity meat production system probably in the world. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to save the planet. We're not trying to starve. And I know I listened to you with Rod Carr the other day. Rod Carr won't take responsibility for starvation in the world, whether it's rich people or poor people. We must remember where we are and develop systems, which I love the word holistic, uh, some people don't like me using that word, but the, a holistic system thinks about the entire cycle. So I'm not for or against regenerative. I just think that there's a lot of different interpretations about how that fits. Hey, Doug, uh, you're the guy who was the inspiration behind you making the move into Lucerne all those years ago after the terrible Marlborough droughts was, correct me if I'm wrong here, Dr. Derek Moot, he's been a bit of a critic. Ah, uh, yeah, like like Derek. Derek goes by pure science, and he drives a lot of the decision making that I'll stand by, or that Fraser stands by today. Uh, but I'd have to say that in Derek's uh, relationship with us, there's been many occasions when his pure science, we can say, well, that actually doesn't work when you're putting a whole farm system. So, a farming system is incredibly important, and if it's got gaps. Uh, it's no point trying to pretend that the gaps aren't there. The gaps will just make themselves uh, known to you. They'll destroy your capability, and uh, then you won't be able to fight the war in the future. So it's really important. To, you know, if you're going down an organic process, you need to have a lot of knowledge about nutrient replacement and stuff, and you can do it. Uh, but it will probably be at a, a product um, total output cost. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we've never been wealthy enough to do entirely that. But we certainly uh, are running down the lines of uh, we've done a lot of ECNA planting. Uh, we did that voluntary. If somebody came and told me I had to do it, I probably would have told them to head out the front gate. And I feel sorry for people who have got a lot of beautiful country. We didn't have that. We had a big need in eastern Marlborough. Uh, to establish more native and uh, even exotic plantations that so we're doing that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's not an argument I ever want to get uh, bought into. I get on really well with uh, people like Rick Cameron and uh, and John O'Frew and Derek Moot and Jack Ron Roth, and I want to remain in that in that fertile territory <laughs> where my mind is nourished by the joy oh, of learning. Stop, stop it, Doug. <laughs> I think I, I th- you're showing your bias there. I think you're having dinner with Jacqueline tonight at a beef and lamb New Zealand function in Blenheim. Look, c- can I just finish on being a, a resilient farmer? How do you remain a resilient farmer? This is uh, metaphorically here, when you've had in excess of 200 mils of rain in July, like lots of farmers have around the country. It's challenging. Ah, uh, yeah, real challenging. It's part of the uh, a part of the cyclical process that occurs, and some will say it's climate change, and some will say it's something else. But as far as I'm concerned, the key thing is just to keep uh, associated with people who are solution solution focused. Uh, so people who don't sort of like uh, you know try to remember what they did 50 years ago. It's not 50 years ago now. It's where we are now and where we're going to. So what can I do tomorrow? Uh, that will make the best of the situation. And sometimes the best of the situation is still pretty shit. And so, you know, just keep uh, keep going out, meeting, catching up with people, especially positive people, people that have got uh, a bit of sunshine coming up from their calendar every day, and be there. Well spoken, Doug Avery. You're a ray of sunshine on the country. Always appreciate your positive attitude. Go well, my friend. Yeah, you take care, Jamie, and good luck to you too. Thank you, Doug. 29 after 12, some feedback coming in. Here's one from a 
regenerative farmer I know. He says, hi Jamie, I personally think that the yield will drop overall in a low energy system or a lower energy system. High energy systems, however, are vulnerable. Our profits remain strong in comparison to high energy cost systems. And thank you, Regenerative Farmer, for saying that, See, And I'm still not convinced by Alan Richards' argument that you can go organic. Uh, Regenerative's another one. But I I certainly think, uh, from what I know of it anyhow, yield, there is a, you know, there's a, there's a, um, help me out here. No, not a sweet spot. Compromise. You know, you you reduce a bit of yield, you might get some more premiums or whatever. I don't think that, well, I know that organics cannot compete on a production basis with conventional farming or high energy farming. And I think there's another factor here and that's your debt levels as well. Some people can wear more of a hit, others have the bank breathing down their necks and it's just not feasible. Yeah. So give us your feedback on regen and organic and conventional farming, if there is such a thing these days. Uh, We had something else to talk about, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Uh, We've also got a promotion running at the moment, and it's looking at well-being and how you cope under pressure. And we've got a wee video up on our Facebook page. Go and check it out. Just search the country on Facebook. Share how you cope with the pressures of farming. There might be something that you do on farm that you want to just tell everyone about because it might be able to help those, especially those that are new to farming or those that haven't been under as much pressure as they are at the moment because so many circumstances are constantly changing and we are finding different points at which we start to not be able to cope. So share your coping mechanisms. When you feel things are getting a bit much, you go in the draw to win a FarmStrong prize package including an All Blacks jersey signed by Farm. Armstrong Ambassador Samuel Whitelock and also $500 worth of sporting goods for a local community group or a school or organisation that you know of. Fantastic. I used to, like, and I had reasonable dogs when I was a sheep farmer back in the day because I had a neighbour who gave me two really good dogs. Mm. Best friends, best people I ever worked with, Rowena, apart from you. Oh, Although you. they did obey me on, on, on a regular basis. But <laughs> You know, sometimes they're they're three or four hundred metres away from you, or two or three, four, and the wind's blowing. They can't hear you yelling, and you yeah. you got a whistle oh, thank like you, that. Jamie. Um, but <laughs> and they can only hear the whistle. But I found it therapeutic, and I'm opening myself up here. I'm being vulnerable, like okay. an all black heroine. Yes. Sometimes it's therapeutic to yell at your dog, knowing he can't hear you or she can't hear you. I've got to be polite politically correct on that as well because I'm afraid of insulting anyone now they were both male dogs but my point being sometimes yelling at the top of your lungs can be therapeutic please don't compare yourself to an all black again Jamie oh well it's only one man's opinion as Eric Rush uh, famously said (laughs) alright we've got to take a break on the other side of it talking about all blacks I think I'll have to do sports news because Rowena's got a bit of a brain fog going on from the Rona but we'll we'll entrust her with rural news before the end of the hour Nathan Penny and Chris Russell our Aussie correspondent Country's Rural News with Lawnmaster, helping you master your lawns for over 75 years. Visit steelfort.co.nz for your local stockist. In Rural News, the Gore District Council is calling for a national referendum on three waters. So basically, Groundswell NZ have presented the council with a petition to hold a local referendum on the issue. But... You actually can't because the government's mandated the reforms at a national level. Local councils don't have the power to change that. So Mayor Tracy 
Hicks prepared a submission for Parliament's Finance and Expenditure Selection Committee calling for a national referendum was unanimously unanimously fog endorsed at a full council <laughs> meeting on July 12. So he says, given the troubled nature of this reform process, we urge the government to pause and seek a mandate. And good on you, Gore, leading from the front, and they won't be the only local authority around the country who's absolutely sick and guessing three waters, or is it, as we know now, muddy uh, waters, two waters, two waters. It'll shortly be one water, <laughs> and then it'll, then someone will drown. <laughs> Here's sport. Sport with AFCO, Kiwi to the bone since 1904. Thank God common sense has prevailed. Sanzar has confirmed the reintroduction of the 20-minute red card trial law for the rugby championship. The organisation believes that the length of the spell and the sin bin, or that length of spell and the sin bin, will deter deliberate acts of foul play while protecting the contest as 15 on 15. It does ruin rugby when someone gets sent off. Any red-carded player cannot return to the field, but a player who has been tactically replaced uh, can come back on in their absence and former, actually I haven't got time for the story, Uh, I'm looking forward to the Commonwealth Games, that's what it's all about and before I forget, because I've got to keep moving, the Tipa wine winners from yesterday, and you had to spell it properly, and it's a small T big P and a wee Macron, we didn't Macron on the A on the A, we didn't go that far but we made you have a wee T, were Rachel Bartram from Kaikoura and Kevin Rose from Havelock North. Well done, you guys. Enjoy your fun pack from Tipa with a small T and a Macron. Haven't chatted to this bloke for a while on the country. Always good to catch up with Nathan Pollyanna Penny, Westpac Rural Economist, nicknamed Pollyanna because of his constant optimism. I've been trying, Nathan, to get you for 10 bucks for about the past year for dairy, you haven't gone there. I know you wanted to, but you haven't gone there. But you couldn't help yourself. You've gone to 10 bucks on lamb instead. Good afternoon. Yeah, good day, Jamie. Yeah, no. Um, had a good look at the meat sector the last last few days. And I think despite what all that's going on, and there's a lot going on, I'm still relatively bullish and I'm happy with my forecast of $10 per kilo uh, come come yeah, come the spring when, when prices normally peak. Now, is this the peak price? This isn't flat out in the middle of the season price, and I'm talking, you know, like February through April. No, it is the peak. So, um, yes, you're right. So it's obviously important to still think about what price is going to be doing, um, like you say, uh, later in summer and, and into the autumn when, when, when peak slaughter comes about. Um, that that. That said, I'm still still picking prices to be healthy um, by the time we get round to that time of the year as well. Let's not forget mutton. You've hit the seven dollar button there. Gee, that makes an old fat you worth a fortune. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a strange one, eh? Hey? Um, you know, you sort of neck and neck with beef beef prices. So um, yeah, the meat the meat you know meat sector across the board is strong. Um, although I probably should um, should should point out that venison prices are still struggling, albeit they have come off their lows. So, Nathan Penny, let's have a look at some of these moving parts for our $7 mutton and our $10 lamb, albeit uh, at peak of the market. So we've got uncertainty around what's happening around the world, COVID-19, lockdowns in China, Ukraine. We've got meat processing capacity here in New Zealand getting back or hopefully getting back to closer to normal. We've got shipping costs dropping globally, which is good. And we've also got the New Zealand dollar playing ball. So this is a real puzzle, isn't it? 
It, it is a puzzle, Jamie, and, and I did have to spend quite a, quite a um, bit of time sort of putting the pieces together and, and coming to my final view. And I guess that, that is the thing. There's so much going on, and so it does mean prices, you know, there's a, there's a lot more uncertainty around our best estimate of $10 for the, for the land price and $7 for the mutton price. So that all said, the three things that I'm really focused on and I think are really important in, in you know, come spring is the fact that, that, that processes are now much closer to, to normal capacity and that should um, give prices a boost along with those shipping costs that you mentioned. They're really coming off quite strongly and that's a bonus, especially for the smaller meat processes who are struggling to get stuff to market and, and paying through the nose. And then lastly, yeah, that, that Kiwi dollar, I mean, it's fantastic at 62 cents. Um, it really is giving um, everything, um, including meat and all, all sectors, a boost in terms of um, what, we, what we bring home to New Zealand in New Zealand dollar terms. Yeah, 62, 66 when I had a, a look uh, just before lunch there. The other interesting one, and this will benefit farmers, business people, New Zealanders full stop, is uh, falling fuel prices. Yeah, so so I mean, when we talk about costs, and and Jamie, I think if we we step back from you know what I'm thinking are going to be healthy or very healthy returns at at, at the farm gate level, um, in terms of what farmers get their their animals away for, there's still still a lot of pressure, massive pressure on costs, um, and it's not just one line item. So while we might get some relief. Uh, from fuel potentially and and, and also fertiliser given oil prices come off decently I think there's plenty of pressure still to come uh, in terms of feed costs um, and, and labour costs so so you know in a way um, farmers have never had to work harder for their money Exactly, on farm inflation is running rampant OK Nathan Penny, always good to chat shame I couldn't get you to 10 bucks for dairy but we got to 10 bucks for lamb I knew you would do it one way or t'other. Thanks for your time. Good man, Jamie. Always a pleasure. 16 away from one. Thank you, Nathan. Great text coming through. Who from? From one Jeremy Rooks. No, no, he can bugger off. I've got another text coming through saying to me, was that a paid interview with Alan Richardson? No, it wasn't. You're I just, just wanted to, to be ha- a, a 2022. I'm trying to be holistic and inclusive <laughs> here on the country because that's what you've got to do. Next there'll be a leadership challenge here for the country, I can see that. Hey, not from me. <laughs> you you okay. can have it if you're getting right. texts like that from yeah. your friends. Uh, up ne- Rooks isn't a friend. <laughs> He's a colleague, ex-colleague. Uh, Chris <laughs> Russell's up next. If you're a bit peeved off with the weather and all the rain, there's always someone worse off than yourself. That's what my late mum used to say to me when I would have a sulk about things. Chris Russell's our Aussie correspondent. I'm not suggesting he's sulking about things, but Chris, you know, we've had record rainfalls here in New Zealand in July, but nothing to what you guys have had to put up with across the ditch. No, no, well, I'm happy to say that today it's a beautiful blue sky, and yesterday was the same. They're the first... Two days since I got back from our trip down south that we've had where it hasn't rained, which is amazing. You know, we had our entire July rainfall in the first three days. Uh, and, um, you know, it's just the ground is just so spongy. It's, you know, we've just got my father always said there's more money in mud than dust. But I'm not sure that's applied this year, Jamie. Well, you must have reached your annual rainfall twice over by now, have you? Oh, I think we passed the annual rainfall for Sydney in, in April. Well, you talk about a nice, 
clear sky and a clear day in Sydney. Ideal for a rainbow tonight or a rainbow game. Gee, the manly thing's created some controversy. Chris, where do you sit on it? Uh, well, uh, you know, in my view, it's just a complete stuff up by the club. Uh, it was non-consultative. The whole idea of producing all these different jerseys for any cause is, you've got to remember, is entirely mercenary. They're entirely just trying to sell more jerseys. And, and in fact, this jersey um, sold out within a few hours as soon as these seven players announced they wouldn't play it. Uh, wouldn't play in it um, and of course we've got to respect our Pacifica players who are very very staunch in their religious beliefs um, a bit like Israel Folau and uh, so they didn't consult them at all and I see that the coach of Manly Des Hasler came out with probably one of the best speeches I've ever heard from anyone in rugby league uh, earlier this week apologising for the very poor way that Manly has handled it so those seven players won't be playing. Not only that, the police and the club have told them not to come to the game either because they don't want to stir up uh, any more activity. And, of course, any uh, altruistic idea that the, that the jumper was going to be a uniting force uh, it's become probably most of the most divisive things that's happened in the game this year. So an absolute mistake shouldn't be repeated and hopefully a lot of lessons will be learned, Jamie. Biosecurity, you've got a couple of big issues in Australia. The threat of foot and mouth, as have we here in New Zealand, obviously, and you've also got the Varroa mite scare. Yes, they're both causing problems. The foot and mouth is obviously the most serious one, potentially, but it's not here yet, whereas the Varroa mite is here, and they've now discovered a further uh, group of hives up near Nanar Glen, not far from Russell Crowe's 320-hectare property up there. Um, not that that's got anything to do with the Varroa mite, but they're just too orientated for you. But uh, Varroa mite, of course, means as soon as they find it, they destroy all of the hives by burning in within a 10-kilometre radius um, because of the potential it has. And up there, they grow a lot of blueberries. So there is a real threat to the blueberry market, which relies on getting decent-sized berries and a good crop of berries entirely on good pollination by the bees. Almond growers are in the same problem. As far as FMD is concerned, we've now introduced foot mats for everybody returning from Indonesia, uh, and uh, they have to walk across these foot mats. Of course, they haven't created any problem at all, even people with thongs walking across them without any issues. So why that was delayed all that time, I have the faintest idea. Massive mistake by the government, I think, and let's hope it doesn't lead to anything entering the country. Um, I noticed that Premier McGowan in Western Australia True to form has announced that he has got um, all his police force on standby to close the borders immediately anything arrives in Queensland and New South Wales. He loves doing that stuff. And, uh, of course, his uh, percentage points will go up in the polls uh, appropriately, Jamie. Sneakers, as you affectionately call them. All right, hey, let's finish perhaps on the Merino, the pole Merino Ram selling for $115,000. Is that an all-time record? Uh, no, it's not an all-time record, but it is certainly a, a record for over the last 30 years. Um, and uh, we, we haven't seen that sort of money for a long time, but uh, the, it was a private sale. 
came off the Collinsville stud over there called Collinsville Emperor. Um, the amazing thing, too, is how heavy this ram was. Um, I believe it weighed in at around 138 kilos, which is a hell of a big ram. A magnificent animal, though. They certainly didn't predict, predict that it would get that high, um, but two people both wanted it, and uh, that's what happens in an auction. So uh, it's, there's obviously some confidence uh, in the marina market overall. Uh, I said 138 kilos. It's actually 178 kilos. I mis misread that. So that's a very big animal, and uh, that's uh, certainly a record of recent times, Jamie. Well, I'm glad you corrected yourself there, Chris, because 138 kilos is just a decent-sized ewe over here in New Zealand, but we are better sheep farmers than you blokes. So I'll leave it at that. You enjoy the rainbow game tonight, Manly versus the Roosters. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be, well, I must say Manly have gone from probably equal uh, odds uh, out to over $6. So, you know, I think their chances of winning the game, according to Andrew Johns anyway, are pretty much minimal now. Yeah, but like your Parramatta side. Look, I've got to stop insulting you. I love your work here on the country. See you, Chris. See you, mate. Ah, ZZ Top. Uh, just wrapping up with their first farm strong winner. They get the, the signed all-black jersey from Ambassador Sam Whitelock and the $500 sports well, voucher to give to your community uh, organisation of choice goes to Shelley Mears, who wrote, uh, Since, like many farming couples, the farm team here comprises of hubby and I, there's no better way to de-stress than some <coughs> cough cuddle time. That might be oversharing, Shelley, but uh, you've been a winner. We'll announce more Farm Strong winners tomorrow. The Country Podcast with Jamie Mackay. Thanks to Norwood. Visit norwood.co.nz to find your local dealership.